Blog Talk Radio.
Father, we praise your name and thank you. It's hot down here, Father. Maybe for some people in different parts of the world, I don't know. But boy, is it hot. (laughs) We know why, and we praise you for that, Father, because there's so many people that don't understand, and they are sitting ducks for, well, the multitude, and that's an understatement, of lies that were being fed. It's like swimming in a cesspool of intense abominations and evil. But I suppose you know that, Father. Father, I rebuke the prophecy that came from one of your prophets recently, which I will not repeat. I rebuke it and I cast it into the pit. I do not accept it. And I believe with all of my heart, Father, that you will deliver us as you have promised in Luke 21:36, from the things that are about to come upon the earth as we pray and seek you from the bottom of our heart. I understand, Father, that for those who are unable to overcome some of their challenges in their walk, that there may be, and there certainly will be, um, additional refiner's fire that they will have to go through and ultimately, which will ultimately lead, if they survive the days ahead, uh, to the wheat harvest, which is a blessing. But I'm not really sure, Father, honestly, if dying through other means like explosions, bombs, bullets, or whatever the case may be, or natural disasters is any better or worse than surviving and making it to the actual weed harvest itself. All things considered, Father, the the threats that are being levied at us, thrown at us, launched at us, uh, turbocharged at us. I don't know what all the words, I can't even think of all the words, and boy is it hot. It is so hot, Father. Could you cool this place down a little bit? Praise your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for the technology. We thank you that it's working. We praise you for your mercy upon those of us who do have to work in the workplace. We pray, Father, earnestly for those who are on uh, Social Security and 401k, you know, uh, retirement plans and are going to, you know, if things continue much longer, uh, even those things will be cut off and we'll all be in kind of a desperate situation, Father, unless your word says what it says and means what it says, which is that we should pray always to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you, Jesus, at the wedding supper. And we're going to hold true to those words because we believe that you are our Father, you are our God, and you are not a man that you would lie. And we know that the word is of Jesus and that Jesus is the word and that he would never lie. Therefore, we hold fast to the word all. We strive to overcome that we might be chosen worthy. And we hold fast to that word as being inerrant truth, regardless of what some prophetic words might indicate. Always unclear about which group, and probably with ignorance, having no idea that there are multiple raptures, multiple rescue missions. And having no idea the plight of mankind and the intensity of the events that are going to be happening in judgment. As, as the world ramps up to these um, points in time, like the three days of darkness, the day of the Lord, and 
heaven forbid, the great tribulation. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for each one of us, every one of us, Father God, for those that are willing to take the time. There are so many shows out there that are full of all kinds of sparkling objects, shiny objects, people that claim that they know all kinds of things, and they're very convincing, when in reality very few of the things that they predicted have ever come true. But they attract huge crowds. Lots of shining objects out there, Father, and I just pray in Jesus' name that you will bless those of us who set aside the time to talk to you, to share with you what is on our hearts, from the bottom of our hearts, without any um, placation of the truth, without any, um, you know, Father, you know I'm never going to sugarcoat how I feel, um, and I will always talk to you like my Father and tell you what I believe and point to the word, point to Jesus, point to the word of Jesus and believe it because that's what it says. And so we hold fast to that, not just in hope, but in knowing that it is true, regardless of what people who claim to be prophets might say. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will continue to quicken your word through revelations and anointings upon each and every one of us, that we will be able to remember the key verses that we need to, to be able to hold fast as the things that are happening across the earth continue to grow in, in, in extreme intensity. It's very difficult, Father, for any of us to even be subject to the things that we're hearing, the things that are planned, to even hear them, to be exposed to them at all, to even be aware of some of the evil. And the and again, there really aren't words to describe it, so I won't even attempt to. The magnitude and the intensity of the evil is so unspeakable that Quite frankly, Father, it is very difficult for me to understand why we're still here at all. I'm not sure exactly why we have to be exposed to it, but evidently there's something associated with that, and I don't know what it is. But we are exposed to it. We're only trying to do the best that we can and be in alignment with your word, Jesus, which was instructing us to watch ye therefore and to watch and pray. But we don't know when, you know, the when you're gonna come. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know we're in the season and we know it's gonna be soon. I don't like the word soon. I've been very frank with you about that, Lord. But it's the best that we have to work with right now. And we have hope because we see indicators, albeit through human and fleshy logic, that powerfully, again, indicate that we are on a very short fuse, for lack of a better term. That perhaps our departure time could be sooner than we even realize. For the, the events that are about to befall the earth, how do you... How do you articulate it? Everything's lined up, Father. Of course you know that. Everything's lined up. We're literally just one significant false flag event away from essentially the entire world collapsing, which would probably even affect those who think they're immune as part of the BRICS nations, etc. 
I have a feeling it's going to be a global effect, and I have a feeling that it's going to affect even those who have who believe in world leaders that believe that they have formed some sort of uh, immunity to the evil that has overwhelmed and overcome Babylon the Great. Who would have thought that the words that were written about the abominations associated with Babylon the Great in the book of Revelation and other places would be so literal, actually beyond literal. In fact, an understatement indeed. Clearly a myriad of uh, an entire bulging portfolio of evil that exceeds far and beyond the very words that are written in the Bible on a magnitude that cannot be articulated. It is very difficult, Father, for us to imagine things being more abominable than they are at this time. But we are very cognizant of different parts of the earth that are going through even more persecution than what some of us might be going through in various countries that we're in. And we also understand that the persecution could increase in different places in at, you know, at any given time, how is it that Luke twenty-one thirty-six would apply to those who have had their homes destroyed and burned by Muslims and Hindus in different parts of the world um, via riotous onslaughts, people that have had their homes burned to the ground, um, churches exploded with grenades while they were praising you, um, the things that are happening across the world that are very pervasive and very common nowadays, have not quite come home to roost for many of us, depending on what countries we are in, but the imminent threat of such looms, clearly. Father, I'm not really sure that I have the ability to reconcile Luke 2136 against the threats that are being, that are being made manifest against our brothers and sisters in other countries that are being attacked. In fact, I don't think I can it doesn't seem to line up, and I don't, I really truly just don't understand it, and I don't think any of us do. We would like to believe that you're going to come for us before things get that bad. Um, certainly we would, because it, that's what the word says, but we also recognize that we are not greater than our master, and we cannot predict the unpredictable. Only you know, Father. And we place ourselves into your hands. We commit ourselves into your hands. We commit ourselves into your hands, Lord Jesus, Yahshua. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name for all of your blessings, all of your mercy, all of the grace, every anointing, every revelation, everything that you have shown us, the walk that you have walked with us, the things that we can look back upon in our lives that are supernatural and undeniable and, and just incredible. Father, we don't know we don't know what we don't know, and all we can do is continue to grasp a hold of some hope associated with all of the events that we see happening, the increase of the war machine that is occurring over in Iraq, the movement of an astonishing amounts of, of military equipment and troops from Kuwait and different places over in the Middle East into Iraq, which is just south of Iran. A, an aircraft carrier task force of immense power being sent over into the Arabian Sea, which is right there in the midst of all of this. And Father, we understand that any threat against Iran, forget Syria, 
Any threat, direct threat by the United States of Babylon the Great against Iran is going to be a direct attack against Russia and Belarus, ultimately. So as we see this build up, no different than um, Operation Desert Storm or Operation Iraqi Freedom or Operation whatever you want to call it. This one, I guess, is called Atlantic Freedom or some weird satanic thing. We see the buildup of, the, of, of the war machine, of the evil one, occurring over there almost as a token of, the, of a last catalyst to usher in World War III, which is happening simultaneously as other abominations are increasing, such as directed energy weapon attacks, slaughter of children by untold numbers, rounding up of children that were intentionally sent home from school in Maui so that they could be brought into sex slavery. Father, really? Unbelievable. I, I mean, Father, I, we, we know that vengeance is yours, but we can only say, as the martyrs would from underneath the throne, why? How long? Because if it was us, Father God, this place would burn now. No question about it. I don't believe there's a one of us that would have the heart to see these things repeated over and over again. Yet they do seem to continue to repeat over and over again. And so few of our fellow brothers and sisters are even awake to these things, which is absolutely mind-boggling. But yet, those of us who carry our cross, the burden of understanding and the knowledge of the evil one and how he attacks us and what's going on and how to pray, how to pray, it does give us an advantage from a prayer standpoint and a spiritual warfare standpoint because we understand where to direct the power that we've been given through the throne room. Thank you, Jesus. But it's very, very difficult to understand how it can be allowed to occur. And I ex- expect that based upon the trends uh, that have increased logarithmically since 2019, that it's only going to get exponentially worse. So I suppose even though it's not who we are asked to be in Christ, we're going to have to develop some sort of thick skins to be able to endure these things as we continue to watch because we are already awake and aware of the magnitude of the evil and we're tossed in the midst of it. We could shut down all of our uh, information sources. We could completely ignore everything. We could spend all of our time in praise and worship, but we would not be watching. We would not be truly watching the events that that we've been commanded to watch for as they occur across the world so that we would know more, not just the day or the hour, but we'd have a better sense within the season that we reside in, the fig tree generation. We would have a better sense of how close we are likely to your slippery escape, which is promised in Daniel 12 under the word deliver. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will find us all worthy to escape these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you. We understand that Luke 21:36, that prayer, is actually only for the fig tree generation. It was never intended for the people in the 1800s, the 1700s, the 1500s, the 1200s. It was never in, intended for them, although they certainly probably didn't feel that way. But we praise you, Father, for the revelations and the understanding that you have given to us, even though we know there's a margin of error 
And we expect, Lord Jesus, that you'll perhaps maybe be kind enough to explain some of these mysteries that are associated with these words that seem to imply that we shouldn't have to endure these things, that we should be able to or qualify to, through your mercy, to escape these things as is promised in your word. Otherwise, why be asked to pray? Therefore, we lift you up and give you all the glory, and we believe with all of our heart that those words are meaningful, that they are not watered down, that they are not deceptive in any manner, that they are 100% accurate, and the promises that they uh, uh, convey to us as we read them, regardless of what translation we, we use, regardless of how deep we dig in our Englishman's concordance or lexicons, at the end of the day, no matter what, they say, pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man, which can only be at one place, and that is the wedding supper of the Lamb. And there's life and death and the power of the tongue, and we proclaim by the love and light and power and glory of the Godhead in the name of Jesus that we will be found worthy because you are our Abba Father, and we love you. We commit ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will, whatever you may do. We thank you. We praise you, Father God, because we know that you have our best interests in mind. For we know the thoughts that you think about us, not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of good, to bring us to an expected end. And we stand upon those promises, Father God, and we pray in the name of Jesus that we are able to fulfill the things that you wrote in our books before we were born on this earth. Psalm 139, verse 16. And walk in those works in accordance with your will. Ephesians 2.10, in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for divine protection around each of us. Of course, we lift up our loved ones and we pray, please, Father, in the name of Jesus, knowing that you will, that you will save their souls. We may may not see, and perhaps they may not come around in time to make the barley harvest. And uh, and that, you know, that that's your choice, Father. But we know that their souls will be saved and that we will see them in heaven. There's only so much we can do uh, as humans in the flesh on this earth. We can witness, we can try, we can prod, we can push, we can nod, we can wish, we can hope, but especially we can pray. And when we pray, we know that you will answer our prayers because your word states clearly that you shall. And we believe it. Otherwise, we wouldn't pray it. Again, I say to you, Matthew eighteen nineteen. If, if if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Matthew eighteen nineteen. Father, that sounds to me like a promise. I'm holding you to it. I praise you for your mercy. I thank you, Father God, for bringing us all to the place that we are right now. We have no idea what our future holds. We see the imminent destruction, the evil black walls that are closing in on us faster and faster every week. But at the same time, Father, we don't exactly, we can't even possibly venture a guess as to what our imminent destiny holds and how much suffering we may have to go through prior to our evacuation from this indeed alien, demon, infested rock. Because at this time, Father God, even with the beauty of of the heavens that you have imbued upon this earth, the waterfalls, the glory, the the rainbows that have been bastardized into a symbol of abominable behavior by the Antichrist and his 
evil, filthy behaviors that have been pushed upon the entire earth, all of the West and other places as well. It's very difficult, Father, for us to continue to see the beauty in your creation here on this earth when all of it is being twisted by the evil one. We know it's still there, and we continue to see. We continue to worship you, and we praise you for it. We thank you for those journeys that you allow us to take on rare occasions where we're able to concentrate and focus our efforts on things that are good, things that are pure, things that are of a good report, just keeping our mind stayed on things above and not on things of this world, trying to focus our our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, every part of our being, every part of the Godhead that resides within this temple body on the things and the promises that you have promised us, Father God, and the testimonies of those who have been blessed by a journey to heaven, each with a different vantage point to help us get a a really wide-angle view of, of the glory that you've laid out before us, even though we know that it's only an inkling of what of the level and the magnitude of the glory that we will experience when we arrive. We look forward to it beyond any way to... We cannot express how much we want to leave. Let's put it that way. There is no possible way... I don't know how any generation of any human being, any group, any church group, any denomination that has existed even unto the times that Jesus walked this earth, I cannot understand and I cannot conceive in my heart how any other generation could have gone. I know there were bad times on this earth. I know there were dark times of bubonic plague. I understand those times. They were very limited parts of the earth that they, that they affected indeed. But the things that are affecting this earth and the abominations that are occurring right now are, for the most part, pretty much global in scope, as we would expect for the end times that we are in right now. These are indeed very difficult times, Father, and we pray for an, a, a double portion of your mercy to fall upon us, a double portion of your understanding to please fall upon each of us, a double portion of an anointing upon us, Lord, that we ha and grace that we're able to e more easily digest and deal with and, and see but not see, if you know what I mean, Father, to, to know when we need to click the off button or to move rapidly to other information so that we don't see the things that we shouldn't ought, even though they're thrown into our faces? How do we watch, Father? How do we watch without being exposed to such evil? We certainly cannot be watchmen on the wall or even consider ourselves to be watchmen on the wall if we're not aware of what is actually happening. And we certainly cannot be appropriate and accurate witnesses to other people, even though the words have to be carefully chosen, sometimes not spoken at all. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the days that we have ahead of us, that you will touch us in a special... I don't even know what, how to... Father, we pray for some sort of an anointing to fall upon us, to just impress powerfully from above. When we are to be quiet, when we are not to enter our email into a particular form or whatever the case may be, when we are not to do something because it will put us in a place that otherwise we could have avoided and done a better works on behalf of the kingdom. For the threats that surround us right now are 
so many that they can't be articulated. They can't be enumerated. We operate, many of us operate in a manner that uh, is devoid of understanding the level of the threat, and we have to put all of our trust completely in you. I know I do. I have absolutely no choice. Father, we know that they're collecting names, numbers. They're watching everything that we do. We know that their intent is to slaughter us all and make it as painful and horrible as possible. We understand that. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for all of our brothers and sisters that are out there across the world that have no idea what is coming upon them. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for every one of the evangelical Christians and the evangelical Christian groups in the United States of Babylon the Great that are holding on to pillow prophets, that even though they were warned by people like David Wilkerson and many others to avoid that, even though the Scripture bears witness to avoid pillow prophets, prophets that tell you what you want to hear, make you happy, make you feel comfortable, make you think everything's going to be just fine, but yet they ignore the warning. Father, we pray for all of those who have fallen victim. We pray for your mercy upon all of those who have fallen victim to the seven mountains mandate people that are so pervasive in evangelical Christianity. Father, we pray that you please have mercy upon them. Father, forgive them. Even if they do know what they're doing, we pray you will still forgive them, Father God, and give them an opportunity to repent. Father, in the name of Jesus, and to cry out to you for mercy. Father, many of them will eventually come to the rec- uh, I, I cannot imagine that they could not. I, I just can't imagine in my wildest imagination that the Seven Mountains Mandate people would not eventually wake up. I pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that you will lead them to an understanding that is righteous and at, um, at more accurate and certainly nothing at all like the heresy indeed that they believe. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for each one of our fellow brothers and sisters that have fallen prey to them, that need desperately to hear the good news because they cannot reconcile the idea of dying. To them, it's a fearful, horrible thing to even consider. To consider death to them is fear. Because they haven't come to a place where they're willing to lay down their lives and understand that that becomes the beginning of our new lives with you. So many Christians out there, I would venture to say millions, if not possibly billions, have not come to that reconciliation, that understanding that to live is Christ, to die is gain, and that each one of us should have that opportunity. And we just pray, Father God, if we are, if, if, if things are going to get so bad, if things are going to get so horrible that Luke twenty one thirty six is not accurately understood by us as we pray for that mercy, then please, Father, just bring us home in whatever way is necessary. Allow us to fulfill that which you have you know, written into our books. But, Father, as soon as we have, we pray in the name of Jesus through your mercy that you will bring us home in whatever way is possible. And there are many ways, as we know, and as you know, too. And the Scripture does say, precious in the sight of the Lord is, is, uh, is the death of his saints. And Isaiah 57.1 says that, 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 uh, that you know, that... that um, you know, that men die and we don't perceive what is actually happening, that you have taken them away from evil. Because we're living in the flesh and we're seeing with fleshy eyes. Father, we, I, I pray in the name of Jesus that any person that is listening to this program and participating, even praying to you in harmony over these things, understands 
what awaits us? Has the faith that was um, imbued upon those who lived in the early days as the Bogomils and uh, the Polissians, the early generations of the Polissians, not the later ones that got it, got violent, but the ones that were walking as Christ truly, how they were able to walk with their children to their deaths, even be tied to stakes and burned at the stakes with their children side by side, praising God from the bottom of their heart, knowing that they were going to be in your presence any moment. Let us all have that kind of faith. Let us all know beyond any shadow of a doubt. Beyond, just know it, know it, know it, absolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt that to live is Christ, to die is gain. And to understand what that actually means and to understand the glory that awaits us by being delivered from the evil of this earth. We praise you, Father God, for that opportunity. We, we want to fulfill the works that you have designated for us to fulfill. We believe in many of I know that I believe in my heart that most of that is probably through prayer, if not the vast majority of it. Prayer, spiritual warfare, praying for the lost and praying for our fellow saints. Because we're calling down heaven's power, heaven's angels, and heaven's glory into action upon this earth. And so few understand how unbelievably important that is. For in Isaiah 43:25, it says, I, you did, Father, you said these words, unless the scripture lies. It says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Keep me in remembrance, and let us contend, let us work together. State your case that you may be forgiven. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we state our case because we are sinners. Our sin is always before us, and in sin our mothers conceived us. We pray that you will wash us with your hyssop and make us whiter than snow. Create in us a clean heart, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Make us pure so that we live, not just hope for, but we live, Titus 1, verse 15, to the pure. All things are pure. Father God, it is only through your righteousness, your righteousness, that we could be deemed worthy enough to escape all these things. And we believe that scripture is literal. We believe that word all is there. We stand by it and we stand by your promises and we will hold them up as a, a, a an em, not just an emblem, but a, indeed a banner of hope that will not, it will not go out as a light underneath a basket. It will continue to maintain the joy that we have. And again, I rebuke any prophet and any words that come out of a prophet's mouth that indicate otherwise and contradict your word, Father, for those of us who aspire to be part of the barley harvest and the first fruits harvest. Because it would, it would mean essentially that our time in hoping, our time in believing in the word was a waste. And I don't believe that for a second. I believe your word is without error, as long as we understand the eternal ramifications, the scope of what is being said, and the harmony of the scriptures from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the very end of the Bible, all 31,102 verses from the Texas Receptus versions. Father, just like Curry Blake, many times in the teachings that I have taken personally at his tutelage, would do when he was using the power of Jesus to divinely heal and in some cases raise people from the dead 
I will do as Curry Blake did, and I will hold that Bible up to you, Father God, and I will show you those words, because those words say what they say, and we know that there is no possible way that they are not promises that you will stand behind. We thank you for helping us to understand that scripture. We hold those promises dear. As you know, I carry with me laminated cards wherever I go. I mean it, or else I wouldn't do it at all. And I'm sure there are others that do as well. And Father, we believe these things because we pray these things. We don't get on our knees for no reason at all. We don't cry tears for people that are hurting for children that are hurting, for people that are being burned out and destroyed and murdered and slaughtered and just horrific things that are happening upon this earth. And they're getting away with it. But we believe in your mercy, Father God. And we pray, please, in the name of Jesus, for your mercy to fall like a soft October snow upon all of our fellow brothers and sisters across this earth, regardless of where they're located, whether they are in extreme oppression in North Korea, sneaking in the middle of the night to try to avoid detection so that they can gather together and pray in the recesses of a cavern. Or other places in the world where Christians are being heavily persecuted and killed and slaughtered. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus for all of them. We pray for all of our fellow brothers and sisters in Europe, across all of Europe, across all of Africa, across all of South America, across the Caribbean and Central America, across North America, across all of Oceania, all of Asia, Father. We lift them up before you, every one of your people, Father God, whether or not they are just learning about Jesus or whether or not they have been walking to some degree, in accordance with your word, and even to those who are doing a wonderful job, but maybe are just a little bit deceived by whom they've been following over the years, so many of who I know. Father, none of us are perfect. None of us understand all of these things. We do understand one thing, and that your Bible tells us exactly what's going to happen. It doesn't tell us with 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 excessive amounts of detail we certainly couldn't have guessed a lot of the things like graphene oxide being sprayed into uh, sprayed upon us from the aerosols in the sky graphene oxide being injected into meats and foods um into uh, water supplies I mean, really, there's no escape. I mean, as far as, you know, we would all like to believe that we can escape uh, the reach of these evils, but we can't. We have to believe in Luke 10, verse 19, where it says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and reptilians and all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing! Hallelujah! We claim it in the name of Jesus, because we believe the Word of God. We believe the words of Jesus, our King, and we stand behind them. We will stand behind them to our death, if that is what is required of us, because that death will become our life. Praise you, Lord, for the grave has no power over any of us. Thank you, Father God, for helping me to understand the divine protection that you have afforded me. Thank you, Father God, for every single person who who even mentions me by name in prayers, because I am certain that they have sustained me through many difficult periods in my walk. 
And I thank you, Father God, for honoring the prayers which I pray for every single person that is even vaguely touched by this ministry, Father, past, present, and future, and particularly those who participate in the prayer vigil and separate their interest from the shiny objects and focus more on you and you, Lord Jesus. For we are coming upon a time right now, we know it, that is going to be a little bit beyond most of our comprehension. We already see the alien mothership sounds coming from the sky. Some people believe they're interdimensional. I don't. I believe that they're literally there and they're using cloaking devices. I have testimony from people who have seen such cloaking devices and have been intimately, well, they've been taken on board these ships and they have seen exactly what goes on on such things. And Father, I, I know that that's what they are. I know exactly what they are. I've known it for over a decade, and I praise you for that. It's just so, to me, it's like incredibly obvious, and I have no doubt about it. And these things are ever increasing, Father, so that seems to indicate that um, with all of the government, uh, how about this, the congressional inquiries associated with these fallen angelic beings and entities, that the awareness is increasing, that the events associated with their presence are increasing, becoming more in your face. I mean, there's not, I can't think of a better word, just totally in your face. They're all over the place. We can see them. We can go on the Internet, and it's right there in our face. And we know beyond any shadow of a doubt exactly what it is. And if we don't, shame on us. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will open our hearts, open our minds, open, help us to be able to look at the scriptures such as Isaiah 13 and understand that when it says that you are, are calling your mighty ones from the far ends of the Shamayim, the heaven, to bring judgment upon the earth as part of the day of the Lord, that these are beings, these are armies of beings that you have summoned, you, Father, have summoned that it is your will that the locusts come upon this earth and sting the people that don't have the seal of God on their heads. And we praise you for placing the seal of God on the heads of the tribulation saints that they might not be stung by such horrible creatures. We praise you for your mercy endures forever, and I pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that my understanding of who the two witnesses are, my understanding of what it means to take the mission, I pray that it's accurate, Father, because I am prepared to take the mission. I want to take the mission. I can't wait to take the mission because I hate the enemy with all of my heart. I hate the enemy. I hate the abomination of desolation. I hate these, these things that are happening upon this earth, and I, I really deeply dislike being, a, being a, a subject to it, to be even aware of it, but I understand that it's part of the walk. But we will persist. We shall overcome. We shall continue to seek you with all of our heart, continue to pray for the lost, continue to pray for our fellow brothers and sisters. We pray for a spirit of forgiveness to fall upon the hearts of those who are very unforgiving in their nature. There's many of them. Please, Father, have mercy upon them because we know that their, their ultimate destiny, if they do not release their pent-up frustrations and unforgiveness, that their eternity will be one that they will be horrified to meet with. We don't want that to happen to anybody. And you would want not one to perish. 
So, Father, we lift up every single Christian in Africa, every single Christian in South America, every single Christian in the Caribbean, every single Christian in the Central America, North America, the Oceania, uh, all across Asia, Father God. Please, in the name of Jesus, we pray, regardless of where they are in their walk, regardless of what kind of oppression that they're under, regardless of uh, uh, the difficulties associated with the lands that they live in, regardless of how much deception is associated with the walks of those who are in evangelical Christianity in the United States, which is just absolutely unbelievable. How much more of a blessing would it be to be a Christian in another country that is not subject or to even hearing the abominable uh, proclamations of those who claim to spend time with you, Jesus, when we know as a fact that they haven't told one truthful thing in the last, I don't know, what, five years especially? But our brothers and sisters will not let go. And we just ask you, Father, for your mercy, to have mercy upon us, to keep us praying fervently that you will anoint them, touch them, call them, pull them, whatever it takes, that there will be a rush of an, of an anointing that falls upon them and awakens them. Because the outcome for many of them will be less than, less than what it could have been if they realize that they're place, their understanding of things, was an error. Nevertheless, Father, we pray a blanket prayer, a prayer across all of the earth for all of those who know, who, I won't say know Jesus really, but I will say those who, pref- who believe that they're Christians, be- claim to believe in you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, and We just pray for all of them, wherever they are in their walk, Father, that you will bring them to a place, whatever place that is, whereby their souls will be saved. For it says in Acts 2, 17 through 21, which is an excerpt from Joel 2, Blood, fire, and vapor of smoke, and all those who call out upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we pray in Jesus' name, Father God, that that includes all of our fellow brothers and sisters across this world, regardless of what they understand, regardless of whether or not they are hot or cold, regardless of whether or not they have been deceived by the pillow prophets, regardless of whether or not they have climbed up on the seven mountains of lies, regardless of where they are in their walk, Father God, we pray for your mercy to fall upon them, that they should call out upon Jesus, even if it's at the very last minute in an act of desperacy for your mercy, because your mercy endures forever. And Lord knows, oh Father, we all need your mercy. I need your mercy. Every one of us needs your mercy and your grace and your love and to be able to trust you now more than ever before. Yes, Father God, you have blessed many of us with living in relative comfort as compared to many of our fellow brothers and sisters in other countries. This is true. But Father, we pray that you will not hold that against us. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that your mercy will continue to endure and you will look upon our hearts, create in us a clean heart, and help us to be able to walk closer to you, spending that time in prayer when we have that time for the lost, for the hurting, for the downtrodden, for the For those who have been murdered and slaughtered by the evil entities that have taken over the earth completely, utterly. We pray, Father, that you will have mercy upon the evangelical church leaders and perhaps other church leaders in different parts of the world that are displaying flags of allegiance to groups of people who are exceedingly evil out of ignorance. 
Father, we pray that you will forgive us all for our ignorance. For if anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet, as they ought to know, 1 Corinthians 8, 2. And we understand that that includes us, and we will never completely comprehend that which we are subject to. Maybe it will be revealed to us. We pray that it is, and we pray that it is when we are rescued from this evil and brought to the wedding supper, because it's the only place any of us want to go. It's the only place we want to go. There's nothing for us here. Nothing for us here. Except an opportunity to continue to pray from an exceedingly dark place, which for some reason, which of course I I don't know that we will ever understand except for it's your divine providence and the way that you design the universe as Father from the beginning of time, that there is somehow, and we don't proclaim to understand this, but it certainly is indicated in your word, that when we pray from the bowels of Sheol, this darkness in this planet that is infested with filth, when we pray from such darkness, when our prayers reach you and, and penetrate the, the firmament of the rock, penetrate past the demonic entities in the spiritual realm, penetrate past them, catch fire, holy fire, and, and melt, melt the firmament and enter in under open heavens and into your throne room where they are honored. When we're speaking in tongues, it bypasses all of the evil spirits that would attempt to come against our prayers. Father, we pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus that you will hear them, that you will act upon them, that you will prioritize them. In Jesus' name, because in accordance with your word, the indications are such that it is by your perfect design that it is our prayers here from this earth that are given preference and extra power over all the other prayers from any other locations in all of the kingdom of God. Why that is, we do not know, but it has to be part of your perfect design. And we praise you for helping us to understand that. Because when we do understand it, we understand the power of our prayer. We understand why it is so vitally important. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Father, your kingdom come upon this earth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. And we thank you, Father, for you alone are worthy. Our Lord Jesus, our King, is worthy. We will never be worthy without your anointing and your mercy. And we give you all the praise and honor forever and ever. Thank you, Father, for continuing to show us kindness, acts of mercy, and teaching us to trust you, even in the most difficult times. For you will keep us in perfect peace, whose minds are stayed upon you, because we trust you. Isaiah 26, 3. And you will straighten our paths when we trust you with all of our heart, Proverbs 3, 5. And we need that right now, Father. We need to be able to hear in our ears behind us a voice, your word saying, whenever we turn to the left hand or whenever we turn to the right, this is the way, walk in it, Isaiah 30, 21. We give you all the praise and honor and glory, Father, and we thank you. Thank you, Father God, for allowing us the opportunity to be able to talk to you as our Father, with unbelievable respect, love, adoration, as our first love, and you, Lord Jesus, as our King, merciful and incredible to to tolerate us throughout a lifetime of mistakes. 
and to bring us to, we hope and pray, a place where we can glorify you. Even though the journey may increase in intensity and difficulty before we are taken away from this place. We hope that that's not the case, but we understand that it may. And we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. Tonight is Friday, August the 25th. The time now is 7.52 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. Anybody who doubts that this is Babylon the Great now is missing something very, very, very important. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your anointed leaders, Dimitri Dudeman and so many others that have helped us to understand the things that we need to understand about the place that we live in and why it is so filthy. Father, tonight is the 8th of Elul, 5783. And we give you all the glory and we thank you for this opportunity to lift you up and worship you because there is nobody. Father, we have nobody. We want you to be all. We want you to be our all in all. Jesus, we want you to be our hero. We want you to be the wind beneath our wings. We love you with all of our heart. We pray that you will bring us even closer. We're not ever going to be close enough here on this earth. I just know this. But I, but I beseech you, Father, I beseech you, Lord Jesus, to bring us all closer and closer every single day, every single week, and to answer any of our behavioral change prayers that we have been laying at the throne at the foot of the cross and believing with all of our heart that you will answer them and pull us out of, uh, and redirect our path and straighten out our path so that we can overcome every single thing that we don't feel good about. Everything. We want to be, we want to seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness that all these other things will be given unto us and we praise your holy name for the opportunity that you have laid before us. And tonight together we light the Sabbath candles or the Shabbat candles if you would prefer. I like to light three, one for the Father, one for the Son, thank you, Jesus, and one for the Holy Spirit. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'yavah v'ratzon hinchilanu Zikaron l'mase v'reshit Ki hu yom techila Lemikra Kodesh Zechelitziat Mitzrayim Kivanu Vacharta Veotanu Kidashta Mikol Hamim 
ושבת קודשך באהבה וברצון הנחלתנו. ברוך אתה אדוני מקדש השבת. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our, and our robe and gown in heaven. With your precious blood and Father, purge it with your holy fire. In Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that you set your wills against us, that you shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God. It shall, in Jesus' name, shoot down from the glory pillar in the throne room of God and strike you into perpetu- in, 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 in perpetuity into screaming and horrific agony, making a public spectacle of you in accordance thereof, in accordance with Colossians 2.15, in Jesus' name. And the entity of the darkness that works in cooperation of you, we declare, in Jesus' name, the same fate. We proclaim in Jesus' name the assignment of warrior angels to move in and strike these demons, deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, and cast them into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony where you stand. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. We declare the fire of God to swirl in a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit around about our dwelling places, around about our cars, in the name of Jesus. We declare in Jesus' Jesus name and plead with the holy courts of heaven for the assignment of eight foot tall mighty warrior angels to stand guard with us wherever we go and to remain at our dwelling places and to protect them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray these divine protections against all evil, all demonic contracts, all demonic agreements, all fiery darts, all earthly and spiritual weapons. We declare the fire of God at the very moment that they set their wills against us in an attempt to use them against us and our loved ones in Jesus name that they will be vaporized. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Father, we plead for a platoon of warrior angels to be assigned to us. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that they are mighty. In the name of Jesus, that they will ferret out all indirect attempts, all indirect threat vectors against us and our loved ones. In Jesus' name, that they will shut down all demonic portals, that they will make good eyes blind and good ears deaf. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray in Jesus' name that they will continue to ferret out all darkness, all attempts, all signatures of of contracts and demons of darkness that allow these spirits in or through their territory for the purpose of coming against us in the mighty name of Jesus to expose them, to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, and cast them into the pit, and we declare the fire of God to burn them where they stand in perpetuity. In Jesus' name we pray, and thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. And using a little bit. I, I, I don't really even like to pray anymore without holy oil. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father, we anoint ourselves into your holy hands. We consecrate ourselves completely into your hands. We consecrate ourselves in your total ownership, Lord Jesus. Your will be done. Only your will. Only your will, Father. Praise God. 
So I'm going to share with you uh, a communication that I received from Messianic Bible in Israel. Um, You can, if you want to find them, just in case, uh, you can, I think you can go to BiblesForIsrael.com, or you could probably type in Messianic space Bible and find them that way as well. Um, The Lord has done some really wonderful things through them for me, um, and um, I treasure them. Uh, I don't know them. Um, I have talked to representatives from them, from their group, um, and I, um, I, I've had incredibly supernatural things happen from things that they have sent me. In fact, my testimony, praise God, regarding that that day, I believe it was like an afternoon on a weekend or something. And I sit and feeling kind of sorry for myself. I'm feeling very, very unworthy to make the rapture. At that time, I only believed there was one. And, um, you know, I, I know I know as a fact that I was crying. And um, I heard a still small voice in my heart say, go to the mailbox, which was very odd because... That would have been the last thing in the world I would have thought to do. Certainly not at that time. Um, so I was like, go to the mailbox. Okay. And I walked down the, walked down my uh, driveway, which which is a little bit of a walk. It's not a long way, probably about 25 yards. And uh, when I pulled the stack of mail out of the mailbox and I have to hit a light here because otherwise I can't read this. There we go. Praise God. There you go. Let there be light. (laughs) Hey, I wonder if we'll be able to do things like that when we're rolling and reigning with Jesus. I bet you we will. But anyway, so I pulled, you know, as always, most of us understand that there's going to be a stack of mail in our mailbox at any given time. And sure enough, that was the case. It's probably about, I don't know, a couple of inches thick, as usual. And um, to my absolute um, astonishment, on the very tippity top of the stack, it was on the very top of the stack, was this letter, which I am holding in my hands right now. Hear it? You're actually hearing the letter shaking in my hands. And it says right on the top, I mean, right on the cover of the letter, it says, you are invited to the Shavuot wedding. Interestingly, this was years before. Now, I had hypothesized that there were possibly three raptures um, years before then. I had written an article called Multiphased Rescue Mission based upon the scriptures in Luke 12, verse 35, 36, and 37. 38, maybe. Um, but, you know, I kind of left the diet, you know, let it die, and I just forgot about it. I, You know, you never know until the Lord confirms things for you at a later time. But anyway, um, but at the time, I did not know, and I uh, assumed, you know, that there was only one rapture, and I really, I had no idea, I didn't have any inkling of the things that the Lord has revealed since then. So, 
for me to pull, you know, so I'm sitting there, I'm crying, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, I'm not worthy, I'm not going to make it, I, I'm feeling, you know, just really bummed out and sad and just bawling like a baby, and I hear, that's, I just hear, go to the mailbox. So I go down to the mailbox, I walk all the way down, I pull out this big, thick stack of stuff, and right on the top is, from Bibles for Israel, Messianic Prophecy Bible Project, it says, you are invited to this Shavuot wedding. Well, it wasn't until several years later that I realized that after Shavuot, there's the counting of the Omer. I did not know that the Omer were actually sheaves of barley. And that was connected directly to the concept of the barley harvest, the wheat harvest, and then ultimately the grape harvest, which happens in Revelation 14, which you will see in the NLT spoken literally. But in this letter, which I hold right here, and it's it's showing its age now, it's got a kind of... I don't know how many more times I can open it up and read it before it's going to start to crumple in my hands. But it says, Shalom, John, the word Shavuot means weeks. And in the time of seven weeks between Passover and this, listen to this, this, quote, special wedding day, Shavuot is known to Christians as Pentecost, which is the 50th day from the Passover, until this unique day in history when Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Today, in Jewish tradition, the holiday of Shavuot is likened to a wedding. Do you know how many Christians have no idea about this? Like gazillions. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) I won't even mention names, but I could. But anyway, I didn't know it until this arrived and the Lord gave it to me. The Lord gave this to me. The Lord told me to go get it. The Lord timed it with me crying like a baby over the rapture. And it goes on to say, it says, Today in in Jewish tradition, the holiday of Shavuot is likened to a wedding, a marriage between God and the people of Israel. This is the day when he gave the Jewish people the Torah, the word of God, and that is his wedding contract with us. In some synagogues, a special wedding contract known as a ketubah is read on this holiday of Shavuot. The wedding contract brings about the drama of the day as congregants feel like they are actually at a sacred wedding. The Shavuot wedding contract is read as a symbolic betrothal between God and his people. John 10.30, don't forget, I and the Father are one. The wedding contract specifies the conditions agreed upon between the two parties and is presented by the bridegroom to the bride. Of course, by the time I'm reading, by the time I'm this far along in reading this, I'm sobbing so hard that uh, (laughs) thankfully I was inside my house or otherwise somebody, I guarantee you, somebody in my cul-de-sac would have called the police on me. Thank you, Jesus. We got some. Uh, we got a lot of people in this cul-de-sac that have 911 on speed dial. I've been trying to explain that to the person that um, I'm sharing a room with downstairs, and I'm not sure she completely grasps how serious I am in regard to that. Sometimes I have to say to her, "I don't think you really understand that if you don't lower your voice, we are going to become a target." <laughs> you know. But anyway. Just have to trust God. Every time you hear a bell, an angel gets its wings. All right. Okay, praise God, holy. 
Holy Jesus, we praise your name. So anyway, I wanted to share that with you because it's a lead-in, or if you will, a segue, into another uh, recent uh, communication, albeit this one is not written on paper, this is electronic, that came into me, and I thought it was really neat. And I wanted to share this with you because there's a lot of dispar- uh, disparity and disagreement and all kinds of stuff out there. And I, and I, I just... When I read it, I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, and, uh, and, I, and the funny thing is I didn't have it queued up for tonight's program at all. And the odds of me finding it were actually pretty crummy. But then I started doing a couple of searches, and they were all failing. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not going to be able to read it. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute. I believe I might have stuck it in this folder. And sure enough, there it was. I think this is kind of neat, and I think you'll appreciate it, because we've all been exposed to people who feel lots of different things, you know. And we, I think the majority of us, feel that the things that they feel are inaccurate. But through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, praise the Lord, we don't confront them. We let them believe what they want to believe. We let them say what they want to say. And we love them anyway, as they are, as Jesus would. All right, praise God. Because we are not to get into contentions. We're not supposed to get into dissensions. This is an admonishment in Galatians 5.19. Because if we do that on a regular basis, if we practice such things, we shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Which kind of precludes us from ruling and reigning with Jesus, which would not be good, especially having come as far as we have thus far. Praise God. Let's move forward. Let's be all that we can be, no matter what it takes. Right? Amen? Amen. Why should we, have, why should we subject ourselves to all the things that we have subjected ourselves? Why should we have to go through all of the fiery trials that we have been go- going through? All of the stuff, I mean, without sitting here and enumerating all of this stuff that I've gone through, and I'm sure that many of you have gone through things that were just as horrific, if not worse, if not even worse. And so when you, when you reflect back upon the things, the walk, the, chi- the trials, the tribulations, the difficulty, the destructive, awful things that have happened to many of us, why would you want to go through all those things only to meet with disappointment? Only to accept second best. Thanks for coming. You ran the race, but we're just going to give you an honorable mention. Go back to your country mansion, and we'll see you in another millennium. I don't think so. Praise God. So anyway, I'm going to try as hard as I can, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you're going to try as hard as you can. And that does require some uh, surrender and recognizing that things might not go you know, quite as smooth as we hope that they will. But to be prepared as best as we can. And, see, I praise God that I live in Florida. I praise God that I've been subject, not to the brunt of a full Category 4 or 5 hurricane. Thank you, Jesus, because Tampa cannot handle it. This this city will go so dark, it will make New Orleans during Katrina look like a bad rainy day. <laughs> Tampa will not survive a direct hit from a cat board. There's no possible way. It will be utterly destroyed. Ah, anyway, I'm going to share this with you because it's like really cool. And it, I just, uh, I, I think it's cool. And I think you'll think it's cool too. Praise God. Um, and anyway, it says, Shalom, John. And this is from, again, the Messianic Bible Group or 
otherwise known as BiblesForIsrael.com. And if you do decide to seed into their work, um, they give you the option to select what your contribution gets used for. And I, I like to always, my own personal wish is that they would continue to proselytize the Jewish people. Get out. That's a dangerous job in Israel. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but at one point I had a, a man by the name of Benjamin many years ago who was a listener of this radio show, and I do mean many, many years ago, probably more than 10, uh, and he was listening to the program very – every time – was, he was a constant, continuous listener of this program, and he wrote – he communicated with me, I guess, via email. I do not remember. His name was Benjamin, and he was uh, an Israelite. Okay, now he was of German descent, but uh, he was in—he was, you know, an Israelite, a Jew, I guess. I, I mean, I don't know what his background was, and it's none of my business. But he wanted to come here for some kind of a revival thing, a revival event that was happening in Tampa, and I, you know, I wasn't going to refuse him, so I, I invited him to come over, picked him up at the airport. It was a very interesting thing to to experience. But it was kind of sad, too, when he felt the same way as I did when we were at the American Evangelical Revival, that they wouldn't stop passing the collection plate for five seconds. And he looked at me and he said, are you kidding me? And I said to him, well, do you want to stay or not? And he said, no, I'd rather just get out of here. And both of us left. I'm not going to mention the church. Oh, but boy, it's a glorious church. <laughs> Those things cost money, you know. Oh, anyway, praise God. So anyway, this email from Messianic Bible is really kind of cool because it puts out any confusion that may exist out there about the name of Jesus. And I like that. So I'll read it to you. It says, Shalom, John. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Philippians 2, 9. Some of our readers have asked us why we use the name Yeshua in place of Jesus. Other re readers challenge us to use the name Yahshua instead of Yeshua, believing that Yah more accurately reflects the divine nature of Yeshua and is the correct way to pronounce the name of the Jewish Messiah. Still, others think the real name of Yeshua is derogatory. Yeshu which means, may his name be blotted out, which is correct, question mark. And he goes on, it goes on to say, Joshua and Jesus in Greek. Since the name Jesus occurs in our English Bible over 900 times, some people are quite confident that the Jewish Messiah had the name Jesus. Actually, the name Jesus is an English equivalent or transliteration of the Greek name, Jesus pronounce Iesus, or as I did, which is a transliteration of the Hebrew name pronounced Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A. So the argument that we must only use the name of Jesus, because that is the name used by the Brit Kadasha, uh, Kad Kadasha which is a, a Hebrew name for the New Testament, is not quite accurate. Some believers object entirely to saying Jesus because they believe the Greek name Jesus sounds too much like the Greek god Zeus and is, therefore, pagan in origin. They say that those who speak the English name of Jesus or the Greek Jesus are calling 
uh, on a pagan god. The reality is that the pronunciation of Yeshua has no exact equivalent in Greek. The Greek alphabet has no Y, and it has no sh sound. So in Greek, writing the ye, Y-E, in Yeshua became an easy sound, or I'm sorry, an E-A sound, and the sh became an S sound. Also, Greek did not allow a male name to end in an ah sound, so the solution was to add an S to the end as many Greek male names have today. Thus, Yeshua in Hebrew became Jesus, uh, Jesus in Greek. This Greek spelling is the standard substitute for both Yahoshua and Yeshua in the Septuagint, Greek translation in the Hebrew Bible, as well as in the writings of the first century Roman Jewish scholar Josephus and the Hellenistic Jewish philosopher Philo of Alexandria. Joshua and Yeshua in Hebrew. The proper Hebrew name for Jesus is Yeshua which means salvation. It is a shortened form of the Hebrew name, Yehoshua, which is Joshua in English and means the Lord saves. The Lord is salvation, or the Lord will save. Around the time of Yeshua, the shortened form of Yehoshua was common and popular around Jerusalem. It can be seen on many ossuaries from that time period. In the Tanakh, Jewish and Hebrew Bible, the names Yeshua and Yehoshua are mentioned almost 30 times and are given five different and given to five different men. They are frequently translated Joshua. For example, in Ezra 3:2, there is a reference to Joshua, Yeshua, son of Yozadak, one of the priests of the time of Zerubbabel, after the return from the exile in Babylon. Many English translations of Ezra 3, verse 2, use the name Jeshua, or Yeshua, instead of Joshua. In Zechariah 3 and 6, this same man is called Yehoshua, Joshua, which is just another form of Joshua. The first instance of Yehoshua in Exodus, Yehoshua ben Nun, most often translated as Joshua, son of Nun, who was Moses' Moses's assistant. He is the same Joshua who led the Israelites into the Promised Land. In Numbers 13.8, however, Joshua is called Hoshea Ben-Nun, one of the spies sent out by Moses to scout out the land of Canaan. The name Hoshea means he saves. It can reflect the hope of deliverance, but that was not the de uh, definitive enough to reflect God's promise of salvation or Joshua's mission in life. Moses changed his name to Yehoshua by taking Hosea, Hoshea and adding the letter Yud, which comes from the Yud in um, Yahweh, the divine name. Okay, of course, that's not really pronounced Yahweh. It's just that we have to add vowels in order to pronounce it at all. Okay, it's almost like trying to speak Icelander. Okay, where they put like eight consonants together and you're supposed to like figure out how it 
Yeah, I don't know how that worked. But anyway, it goes on. It says, by making this alteration to Hoshea's name, Moses changed his name to Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation, Yahweh saves and delivers. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hoshea, son of the son of Nun, the name Yehoshua, thir- Numbers 13, 16. A perfect example of the interchangeability of Yahushua and Yeshua are, uh, are in later books of the Tanakh and amongst the Jews in the Second Temple period is found in Nehemiah 8, verse 17, where Joshua, son of Nun, usually called Yahushua ben Nun, is called Yeshua ben Nun from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day. We are very grateful for all of our sponsors. Please ask the Lord out and I if you should sponsor a chapter, etc. It says, why Jewish people call him Yeshu? The Talmud rabbinic teachings mentioned the name of Yeshua only once in reference to the Yeshua ben Josedek, uh, whom we mentioned above. All other instances of the name of Joshua or Yehoshua um, although the name for one man, Yeshua of Nazareth, is rendered Yeshu, it, it, it has been said that his, this name is actually the acronym for the Hebrew phrase uh, Yamak Shemo. Don't even ask me to pronounce the last part. It says, however, some have suggested that it is a Gal- Galilean form of Yeshua. Most Jews are unaware of the potentially derogatory origin, and for this reason, they commonly refer to Yeshua as Yeshu, as if that were his true name. For the most part, even the Israel, uh, Israeli media use Yeshu to refer to Yeshua, although in rare cases he will be called by his proper name. His full name is in secular Hebrew is Yeshu Ha Notri, Jesus of uh, Jesus the Nazarene. This is the name that appears in the Ben Yehuda Hebrew Dictionary and in most secular Hebrew texts. However, the Hebrew spelling Yeshua is used in translations of the Brit uh, Kadasha into Hebrew, which again that's the Hebrew word for the New Testament. Is his correct name Yahshua? Some of our readers have asked Bibles for Israel to use the name Yahshua instead of Yeshua. Many of them believe that because Yah is the first part of God's personal name, Yahweh, it is supposed to be part of his son's name as well. However, this pronunciation of God's name can be called into question. Because there are no vowels in Hebrew, no one can be 100% sure that his name is pronounced Yahweh. We do not know for sure, though, uh, I'm sorry, we do know for sure, though, that the use of Yah in the Messiah's Hebrew name cannot be supported by any evidence available from archaeological findings, such as the Dead Sea Scrolls, in inscriptions, or on any rabbinical texts. In these Hebrew texts, the personal and um, unutterable name for God is the Tetragrammaton, or four letters, yud He vav He yud He vav He. <laughs> Reminds me of Chuck Misler. He used to try to pronounce it like that. <laughs> I would always get a chuckle from it. It was pretty funny. He goes on to say, this name was... Um, which some say is pronounced Jehovah, 
is so holy that it was not spoken outside of the temple. And only once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, by the Kohen Haggadoi, the high priest. A name of God that is related to um, Yahweh. <laughs> okay, I'll just use that pronunciation. Or Yah, perhaps a shortened form of the ineffable name. This name of God appears about 50 times in the Tanakh. It is part of the construction of the Hebrew word, Hallelujah, praise Yah, as well as many Hebrew names, including Elijah, uh, Eliyahu, Isaiah, Yeshaya, <laughs> Y-E-S-H-A-Y-A-H, and Jeremiah, which is um, Yimra. The name Yahshua, however, exists nowhere in the Bible or in Hebrew historical records. In this new pronunciation for Yeshua, a fifth letter is added right in the middle of God's holy name, thereby creating the new name Yahshua. The five-letter spelling of Yahshua, Y-A-H-S-H-U-A-A, rather than the four-letter spelling of Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A, can be first traced to the Christian Renaissance occultists in the second half of the 16th century. A similar form of the new spelling was later picked up by the Sacred Name Movement, which uses its own unique Hebrew spelling of Yahshua. This spelling is not found anywhere in the Hebrew Scriptures. This new spelling of Yeshua can be traced back to the early days of the Sacred Name Movement in the 1930s. Anytime that there's any kind of a movement of anything, run for your lives. Yahweh's Assembly in Yahshua, an organization associated with the Sacred Name Movement, makes the following doctrinal statement regarding the name on their website. Yahshua is the correct name of our Savior and and, uh, contraction of the combination of Yahweh and Hoshua. And same as given to Joshua, the son of Nun, by Moses. To create this new combination, one has to change the pronunciation of Hoshea to Hashua, which is not found in any lexicon, any dictionary, because the O-O letter is not included in the Hebrew spelling of Hoshea. To arrive at this version of Yeshua's name, one has to begin with a made-up Hebrew name. Calling on his name. As scriptural support for those who insist on the pronunciation of Yehushua, point to Yahshua, who says, I have come in my father's name, John 5, 43. From this verse, they conclude that his name must have, been, must have had Yah in it. But as discussed, this variant of Yeshua does not occur in any Hebrew or Aramaic texts. There is no historical support for Yeshua ever being used, uh, ever using the name of Yah. Even while on the execution stake, Yeshua did not call his father by his personal name, but instead El. About three in the afternoon, Yeshua cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew twenty-seven forty-six, Referring to scripture, those who follow the teachings of the sacred name movement contend that using this pronunciation of Yeshua's name will assist in one salvation. There's your heresy. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, verse 13. They also refer to this passage, for in this reason also God highly exalted him, Yeshua, and bestowed on him the name 
uh, Anoma, which is above every name, so that the name, Anoma, of Yeshua, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and in every uh, tongue will confess Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord, to the glory of God the Father, Philippians 2, 9 through 12. See also Isaiah 45, verse 23. The Greek word Anoma does mean name, but not only in literal sense, it also refers to the very being of the person. Throughout the Jewish culture and the scripture, one's name is synonymous to one's character and nature and essence. The name of Yeshua means salvation. And that is the exact essence of who Jesus was. To call on the name slash person of Yeshua, the Messiah, is to call upon salvation. Praise God. All right, and on that point, I will stop. They continue to go into some other manuscripts and some other things. But basically what this is saying, and it's coming from Israelites. It's coming from Jews that have been saved by the blood of Jesus. And they don't discount the name of Jesus. And they say clearly that the proper Hebrew pronunciation is Yeshua which is very similar to Joshua. So when you see Yah, Y-A-H, and something after it, or you see Yahushua, or whatever, those are incorrect. Not that it's anything that we should be bickering or becoming divisive about, or even discussing, quite, fr- quite frankly. I, I be- I, as a matter of fact, I have heard divine and supernatural testimony from people in various places across Africa where Jesus had visited them in their dreams and visions like we pray, don't we? We do pray for that, don't we? We should. And when... Jesus appeared to them in their visions. They ran, you know, according, you know, they were like flipped out and, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And I had this incredible vision. And they would go find um, a, you know, they would know where a Christian was, usually, and they would ask them, you know, this is what I had, what happened to me in my dream. And it's fascinating because the name of Jesus takes on many different pronunciations depending on what part of the earth that you are in. So in this particular letter from Messianic Bible, it is simply addressing the English Hebrew pronunciation of Yeshua or Jesus, which is the Greekized word, which is where Jesus comes from. What I like to take note of, which prevents me from getting a bee in my bonnet over any of this stuff, is the fact that... In my studies, which are vast, under many um, of what you might refer to as God's generals, such as A.A. Allen, Smith Wigglesworth, Lester Summerall, the list goes on and on and on. Hallelujah. Many books, many uh, 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 biographies I've read from many of these various folks. They healed blind people. They healed deaf people. They healed crippled people. They healed people on their deathbed. They raised people from the dead like David uh, uh, Hogan and, um, and others. 
in the name of Jesus. And what did Paul tell us? Paul said, don't follow the eloquent words of man. Follow the power. Follow the power. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but instead of power and of love and of a peaceful, sound mind. Because death has no grip over us. And every testimony, this is the honest truth. Of course it would be, because I wouldn't say anything other than that. Every testimony of people, many of which I've listened to from uh, Voice of the Martyrs and different ministries where people have been captured by, well, in one case, it, it really doesn't make any difference, but there was one, one woman, I think I even have her testimony on the sound console, she was working, I believe it was in Nepal. I'm almost positive. And the Nepalian police arrested her and some of her other Christian missionary friends, took them back to the police station and proceeded to beat them. And I mean beat them real hard. Now, to any of us considering such a plight, it would, I would think, result in well, great uh, – well, we wouldn't want to be subject to it. Let's put it that way. We would be like, no, 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 no. Please don't do that to me kind of thing. You know, our, our flesh would overcome what we've been taught in the spirit, and we would anticipate extreme pain to come from the beating. Well, what, was, what, what has been made manifest through the testimonies of I don't even know how many I have read or heard or whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's innumerable. I, I really can't put my finger on it. But I can tell you this, the one predominant theme of every single person who has been beaten in the flesh by whomever, they didn't feel a thing because the Lord Jesus was by their side and took away the pain as they were going through it. Sort of like how Stephen could be getting stoned. Can you imagine how painful that is? Having people throwing rocks at you and smashing you in the head. I don't recall one word in the Bible about Stephen crying out in pain. In fact, he was glorified. So I think the promises of our Lord regardless of what any of us may fear, which we shouldn't, going through, as unlikely as I believe that it may be, personally, don't hold me to it, we have to remember through faith that the mercy of our Father, the mercy of the lover of our souls, our Lord Jesus, is so Infathomable. 
that as we were, would go through any of these things, we wouldn't even really be inside our bodies. That our spirit body, our light being body, our minor God body would be removed from the clay body and we would be in the presence of our Lord even as the events unfolded as unthinkable as they are in the flesh they would have no power over us and that theme is repeated over and over again in perpetuity I cannot remember in my 61 years of life soon to be 62 hearing one testimony of a believer that was beaten that was persecuted that went through horrible things in the flesh that when they gave testimony in regard to it later remembered any of the pain because Jesus delivered them from it in person Praise his name. That is amazing.
Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place, for now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split-open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship, and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. Thank you. 
Focus my eyes. I have the. Uh, unfortunately, I have the <laughs> the size turned down. Hold on a second, Sister Amber in Tibet. I could only rely, and hold on just a second. I could only rely on Jesus. Okay. Oh. Oh, unfortunately. Well, okay. I'm going to go ahead and play this. This is uh, Sister. She refers to herself as Sister Amber. She was in Tibet. And uh, you can listen to her testimony for yourself. Now, again, I may not have remembered every part of the testimony exactly right, but I can tell you uh, that uh, this is only one of many testimonies. Um, But anyway, let's go ahead and listen to this. This is uh, Sister Amber, and this is her testimony of when she was captured by the police in Tibet. All right. Praise God. So let's listen to this. You're listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and we're speaking today with Sister Amber about her ministry and the persecution she faced in Tibet. Now, your friend that you talked about, that, that mm. you ministered alongside, yeah. I know as, as you saw him come to faith, you also saw the price that had to be paid in, yeah. in that culture. Yes. And I know, you know, mm. he's still in some danger, so we don't want to say a lot of details about yeah. him. But can you share a little bit of, of the suffering that he faced yes. simply for coming to Christ? When he came to know the Lord, it was in August of 2012. And um, what it was, he came to me one day and he couldn't sleep. He had these terrible um, thoughts the whole time. I remembered him saying that to me, that he thinks all the time and, and he can't sleep. I spoke to him again about Jesus, and he knew that I was a Christian, and he'd heard about Jesus many times, and he also became rather religious about his own religion (laughs) (laughs) at that time. But he came to me, and he asked me if I would pray to my God for him. So I said, yes, of course. And I said to him, actually, I'm praying for you all the time. (laughs) He told me his difficulty. And then I said to him, I said, when you go home, and you go to sleep tonight, just remember Jesus' name. Just call on him, and he will help you. And so he went home, and that night, well, he couldn't sleep, and he had an encounter with Christ. 
Jesus came into his room, put his arms around him and spoke to him in his language. As a result of that, he came to me the very next day just beaming. <laughs> and I knew immediately he had been touched by God. And I, I just said to him, to my friend, I said, Jesus has touched you. And he said, yes, he's real. <laughs> and he said, I had the most peaceful sleep that wow. I've ever had. And then he wanted to know more. And so I shared with him more. And then he was all about being baptized and that. But we didn't do it then because then he was also wanting to go and share with everybody, his family and his friends and everything. I did also try to caution him over that. <laughs> said, you know, it's a bit dangerous, this sort of thing. But he said, no, 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 they've got to know. They've got to know we, we're all wrong. We've got to have Jesus. Jesus is the only way. And off he went. And then he came back some time later, and he, he had been ostracized. And this was heartbreaking because his whole family... His mom, his dad, his brothers and sisters and that, they all ostracize him. His friends, and these are all Tibetans, strong Buddhists. And this is in a culture where family is very, very, very important. important yes. uh, to be cut yes. off from your family yes. is the worst thing yes. that could happen. And he, he just, he was all alone. He had nobody but me, in a way. And difficult, seeing as I was a single woman, I couldn't really have him actually in my home because it would have just caused problems because I was living in amongst the Tibetan community at that time in Lhasa itself. I was the only foreigner in that particular compound and com community. So I knew this would be a problem and I just didn't know what to do about this. But that's when he said to me, don't worry, he's going, he's going to leave Lhasa and he's going to go to a village. So we prayed together and he left and then it was about a month or so later, he turned up on my doorstep, some in the middle of the night, banging on my door. I came down and there he was. He'd been beaten. He was pretty much almost dead. How he got to my door, I don't know. But I took him through to the hospital. Uh, he nearly lost his life there. But the Lord brought him through. And then he started sharing in the ward. <laughs> He couldn't keep quiet about Jesus. He, he didn't learn his no, lesson. He didn't, no. But he was so on fire for God. And it was what encouraged. Here I was trying to caution him, and yet here I realized what courage he had. And it was God doing that. And he just grew by leaps and bounds. And it was beautiful to see this. And I was so thankful to God because finally I, I've got a, a fellow worker which is something I'd been asking the Father for for a long time. And the wonderful thing was a local person, and it was a man, which is very much needed in, in such a culture. I'm touched by his story, particularly that he said, Jesus came to me and he spoke my language. language yes. uh, one of the things in some of these cultures, well, you know, Jesus is the American God or Jesus is a yes. Western religion. No, yes. no, he came and he spoke, he spoke my language. Yes. Uh, yes. What a what a powerful ministry! Yes. You know, after after that time, there came a day where the persecution came to your yes. doorstep. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about how how that happened. How you found out? Okay, now it's it's me that's going to be persecuted, and also what kind of what was going on in your heart and in your mind during those first few moments when you realized, okay, this is the police, and they're here for me. 
Yeah, that was in January of 2013, quite soon actually after the feet washing. It was the 5th of January, the morning, early hours of the morning of the 5th of January. Which I think is interesting because the foot washing was such a breakthrough. Yes. You have these nomadic people who are saying, yeah, come back and tell us more about Jesus. And then just a few days later, there's a knock on the door and it's the police. Exactly. When I, back at that time, I didn't think in that way because I was afraid and I didn't know what was going on. And everything in your human, your human body just reacts to, to something which is really horrible and something that you almost can't believe this is happening to you. And you just want it to stop. You just want to stop it now. Even at your door, you want to stop it from going any further. But that wasn't to be. But in hindsight, when I think back on that, I realize it was Satan. He was very, very unhappy about that feet washing process because it was 25 nomadic families and for the first time really being touched by Christ. So... In a way, throughout the months that the persecution happened on my own life, I also gradually began to realize that. The comfort from that as well was realizing you really are in the will of God. And as the Lord put it on my heart later on, in, in while they were interrogating me and persecuting me and making me wanting me to write things which I couldn't agree with, um, he was reminding me again and again that it's because of me you're being persecuted that encouraged me a lot to push through to to stand my ground in Christ and he imparted in my heart a great love for the persecutors in such a way that I'd never experienced before that I could actually as they were hitting me and doing what they were doing I could love them and I could express that love back to them every time I could just impart this love of Christ to them and telling them that Jesus loves you Jesus loves you and finally when the Lord just imparted in my heart the words that he said on the cross Father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing and it was just so deeply special to my heart and it gave me a, a deeper realization of what the crucifixion really is about too it's it's so much more than what we even know from when we're in our churches and that it's so much deeper and so much beyond what we just know from the bible even i, I want to unpack a little bit because yeah. what you've said is just really amazing but when they first came you had that fear and you had yes. that human and I think all of us who are yes. listening can I oh yeah that's exactly what I would be I would be like oh this is terrible yes. and then at some point you transition to okay God's going to use this and you're able even to love mm-hmm. how long did that process take and what happened that brought you over from fear to yes. okay Lord yes. whatever you have in mind I'm I'm willing to be your servant in this situation that started happening actually in the first few days when they had me in the office and in this room where they locked me in there with these five policemen. They had on the table this this paper that they wanted me to write and admit to things that I hadn't done. And, and they had a list of things they yes. wanted you to admit to. Yes. It, it wasn't your confession. It was there. they wanted you to write their confession. Yes, yes. and it was things that I... I've never done in my life even, you know. Um, it was trumped up charges. and 
I've since learned that this is what they do to cover themselves or something. But anyway, there was trumped up things, and I knew when I, they wanted me to write in my own handwriting because then I'm admitting to this and then signing at the bottom. And then supposedly I would be free, but I knew instinctively in my heart I wouldn't be. That would give them recourse to to sort of convict me or something. And it was during that that the father, with all that was going on, that's when the Lord just showed, started showing me when I didn't know what to do and I was terrified. You get to a point where you think, well, should I just write this or shouldn't I? You know, what what what, what do you do? You don't know what to do. You have nobody to talk to, not in the physical sense. I only had the Lord. I could only rely on Jesus. And um, that's when he imparted in in my spirit that I was just to write my test me down and to write, at, after I've written the test me, the reason I'm here in, in Tibet is to bring the love of Christ to these people and to them, even as persecutors, because he loves them and he wants them in his kingdom. And it was during that process, because they kept, every time they came back in and saw what I'd written, because the Lord just showed me, you just write this all the time, all the time, all the time. No matter how many times they tear it up, you just write this the whole time. And of course, it got pretty bad. And they were ripping it up, making me write again, making me write again, and leaving me sometimes for hours on my own. It's all more and more fear, I guess, into me. And then it come, they would come in, rip everything up. And it was in the process of that, in the first two or three days, it was probably around the third day or so, when I really was at the end. And they really started getting more physical with me. And I was just saying, well, please just take, take me, just let me die. And he came with his spirit upon <coughs> me. And he just took me out of my body it was amazing. It was just like I rose up and I looked down on myself and I could see what they were doing. And then like that, the Lord just said to me, they're persecuting me. Will you lend me your body? They're not. Per it's me they're persecuting. Will you love them? Will you love these that persecute you? And it was in that moment that he started giving me the strength of the Holy Spirit to withstand I went back into my body and I could feel the blows, but you know, they didn't hurt as much. Wow. They were there, and I mean, I saw the bruises, they hurt afterwards a lot, but they were, it was like, it was like Jesus was taking the impact almost the whole time for me, which was amazing. Amen. And it was just like him saying to me, you know, this is how I help my people, my children through persecution, this is how I'm with them. and. Just know I'm with you always in these things and every impact he said now love them every just throw out my love for them and tell them verbalize it to them and this is what I did I just I just had the strength in me to say God loves you Jesus loves you Jesus loves you Yeshu Aini Yeshu Aini in Chinese Well, that's hearing it from the horse's mouth. I mean, it's not like she didn't suffer, and it, it's not like she wasn't in her flesh and horrified, and she admitted to all of those things. Um, but when it really got down to the 
nitty-gritty, the worst part of it all, the Lord came upon her, took her out of her body, uh, and essentially told her that, you know, essentially what I understand from it is that Jesus was explaining to her that he had paid the price and that he was delivering, delivering her uh, by removing her from her body from the worst part of the physical persecution. Uh, which is just absolutely amazing, and also aligns to so many other testimonies that I've heard over the years, and also aligns to the story of Stephen. So we can we can believe in our hearts what we want to believe, but the testimonies of the people who have actually been through it are what I have learned are ultimately the truth, and they are um, there are many. There really are many, but um, but anyway, praise God! I did want you to hear that because um, you know there's a lot of people. I get I get emails from people and they say the doggone things. Um, a lot of them are laced with assumptions, <clears throat> which is fine. Um, a lot of the things that we believe that we believe are based on assumptions of things that we believe that we've read. Um, you know, we sometimes read more into it than there is. Uh, you know, we that's normal. That's that's normal for all of us. Um, we want to try to understand things, but one thing that is invariably consistent with every single near-death experience, every single time that a person's been beaten, uh, severely I'm talking about, uh, every single time that someone has had a testimony like this Sister Amber, who was uh, a missionary in Tibet, when things got really bad, Jesus showed up, pulled them from their body, and they were able to see their body going through the the beatings, the real serious painful event. That and again, that lines up with all the NDEs, the near death experiences, Sherry Walsh's testimony. It just the list goes on. I, I I don't really have a number for how many dozens and dozens and dozens of them that I've heard, uh, read, and um, you know, and uh, and even had guests on the show uh, over the years. Uh, you know, that said essentially the same thing, each and every one of them. But um, for whatever reason, the message that seems to be consistent is that Jesus believes or Jesus paid the price. He bore the pain. And so he, as a gift to us out of his love, delivers us from that pain during the worst trial, during the worst part of whatever persecution that we may go through or whatever might be associated with what is causing us to go through that, what they refer to as a near-death experience, which, which in reality is actually a true death experience. But they call it near death because from the perception of the people in the operating room or from the perception of the people that are on earth in the flesh, it appears that the person died, but they, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're reading into it that, well, hey, if they had really died, they'd be dead. So they had to be near death. But in reality, they did die. And they were standing above their body, oftentimes in the presence of Jesus, while the most horrific things were happening to their body uh, on the operating table or whatever the case was. In the case of Sherry Wells, she was under um, unbelievable pain from Tylenol poisoning because she did not understand that you could overdose on Tylenol. And I don't know if you, you can look it up on the Internet if you want to, but I can tell you as a fact that one of the most painful things that anybody in the world ha can possibly go through short of jumping into a, a of, you know, a live fire or pretty much in alignment with that level of pain is the pain that the human body will feel during Tylenol poisoning. It's, I don't think that you can 
put it into words. It's that painful. But anyway, praise God, I, I just find that to be such a blessing. I'm not suggesting that any of us are going to have to necessarily go through any of these things, because um, we really don't know. You know, there are different places. Are the people in Missoula, Montana going to have to go through the same things as the people in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? <clears throat> are the people in Philadelphia, downtown Philadelphia, or on the outskirts in Westminster, are they going to have to go through the same things as the people in um, Des Moines, Iowa? Or is the people in, uh, you know, Little Rock, Arkansas? You know, are the people in Ocala in Florida going to go through the same things as the people in Miami? I think the reasonable way to look at our future is that we none of us actually know and none of us can even begin to estimate exactly what the Lord has for us to do on his behalf. And it's going to probably have a lot to do with wherever we are. That's why I've never really been a huge fan of this. Um, now, I'm not saying that this isn't going to happen someday, okay? But there has been, um, over the last 12 years of my time serving the Lord on this program, um, uh, you know, a very large number of Christians, many of which we brought on as guests, that felt powerfully led by the Lord to, you know, sell everything that they had or whatever and go out and buy property or whatever, and they felt led by the Lord that this was going to be a place of refuge for other Christians when things got bad. Now, in the ceremony vision of 1979, she she does see what she, what what appears to be to her cities of light, and she said that the largest largest numbers of the cities of light that she saw. In other words, she was looking down on the earth and she saw light, and these were groups of people. She knew it was coming from groups of people. She believed that they were Christians. She didn't really know the how, the whys, the wheres, and all that kind of stuff, but you know, she estimated, and she said the majority of them were in the, in the Rocky Mountains areas, although she said there were a few of them in the Appalachian Mountain areas, which... If my estimation is correct and the timeline of my understanding is correct, it may it, those cities of ref, refuge that she saw in her vision happened after the meteor had struck um, uh, and kicked off the day of the Lord uh, in Revelation 6:12 and the great earthquake. Okay, which segues into the three days of darkness and you know the fallen angels being sent down and you know to the earth where Satan and you know the dragon and his angels are cast down to the earth and et cetera, et cetera. And all that stuff happens during the day of the Lord, during the sixth seal. Okay, but then it gets worse. Okay, so if that's not bad enough, it gets a lot worse after Revelation six seventeen where it says, And the day of his uh, wrath has come our Lord's wrath has come, and who is able to stand? So that's the segue, if you will, the segue verse into the great tribulation, all right, which um, I pray in Jesus' name that not one of us is subject to. I pray in Jesus' name that not one of us is subject to anything but deliverance, a slippery escape, as it says in the uh, Hebrew in Daniel 12, uh, the word delivered, if you look at it in, in Enhanced Strong's Concordance in English Dictionary, you will see uh, that it says a slippery escape. So that's about as close to a rescue from Jesus that any one of us could hope for. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I hope that not one of us has to go through what Sister Amber had to go through. Um, but um, 
wasn't it awesome of the Lord to come to her to remove her from her body uh, during the you know the, 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 you know the really bad part of the persecution and um and exp- and essentially explain to her that he had paid the price and that he was there to to to, to deliver her from that uh, you know the worst of it praise God so anyway I hope that none of us I pray in the name of Jesus Father God and in Jesus name I pray that not one of us not one of us has to go through those things I pray Father please in the name of Jesus that you will find each of us worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth. We know what they are. We know that there are CBDCs coming, central bank digital currencies. We know that they're going to try to implement a digital ID. We know that they're preparing probably, although it hasn't been 100% confirmed, on releasing a, uh, a lying a lying version of a new supposed variant. Uh, how much of a lie it will be, how much will be lie, and how much will be truth we don't know, and we probably will never know. Um, and that's supposedly this fall, but has yet to be seen. It's a, you know according to your will, Father, and we praise you. We thank you, Father, for saving us from these things, for, our, for Psalm 91, for the divine protection that you afford those of us who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We thank you, Father God, for the protection that you give us by the power in the name of Jesus, for those of us who may be subject to things that we are not able to escape from, but we're able to use the name of Jesus and the power in the name of Jesus uh, to take control of the situation and take power over that situation, praise God, to render things that would otherwise be poisonous just through prayer, to render them of no effect to our bodies, to bless our bodies through appropriate and pure nutrients, even though we suspect that they are poisoned by the forces of darkness, because we will, as it says in Mark 16, 16, 17, and 18, it says that uh, they will drink anything deadly and it will by no means hurt them. And in reality, the word drink actually means to ingest. So it could be in any form, in any form that we intake something evil into our body, it will be by no means hurt us. That's what that means in Mark 16, 16, 16, 17, and 18. Okay, they can drink, whenever it says they will drink anything deadly and will by no means hurt them. That word drink, look it up in your, hopefully you have a, uh, you know, the Greek, you know, uh, study Bible and you can look at it and expand it and look at look at the uh, the actual meaning of the word. And um, you will see it goes far beyond the concept of drinking. As a matter of fact, it it aligns perfectly, praise the Lord, with um, Paul's um, experience on the island of Malta when the deadly viper bit his hands and the viper hung on. I mean, those fangs were deep into his hands and all of the natives on the island of Malta sitting around the fire were like, you know, oh, he's going to drop dead. He's dead. You know, they were sure he was going to drop dead. And Paul just shook the viper off of his hand and kept on preaching about Jesus. And the viper venom never touched him, never hurt him. And those same things will be afforded to us if they have not already been. How many of us have ingested graphene oxide without knowing it now? How many of us have breathed it in because of the dark you know, uh, uh, chemtrails that are being sprayed into the sky. How many of us are, are uh, water supply that is feeding into our homes uh, have graphene oxide already in it that we are unaware of? How many of us are benefiting by the promises of Mark 16, 16, 17, and 18, and, and Luke 10, verse 19, without even realizing it, without even praying for God to purify it? And forgetting to do so, taking for granted that it's going to be just fine. Everything's going to be just fine. And God is affording us supernatural protection without us even realizing it. 
There's this old saying, which I really, I, I'm impressed by it and I just love it because it just, it's sobering and very humbling. It says, how amazed, or can you imagine what it would be like to wake up tomorrow with only the things that you remembered to thank God for the day before? That's a convicting concept to, to, to consider. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, on that note, glory to God. Let's go ahead and take communion, and we'll go ahead and close the showdown. Um, I think, I th- for me anyway, it was interesting, and, and it was very interesting to re-listen to Sister Amber's testimony, because I hadn't heard it in probably approximately about, I'm guesstimating, approximately 10 years, maybe nine. Um, and um, But my recollection was accurate. And I was praying, I was, I was hoping that my recollection was accurate, of course, you know, because I don't like to be, you know, saying the wrongful things when, when you know, my mind, you know, my memory fails me. Uh, but uh, I praise God that my, my recollection was accurate. And, um, and these concepts, this concept of Jesus coming to us, rescuing us, us, taking us out of our body when things are in the worst place that they are, because he paid the price. He suffered the pain, and he is delivering us because he loves us. He's taking us away from that pain. I'm not suggesting, again, I will stand upon this. I will. I feel, I don't know if I'm right. I really don't know if I'm right. Don't hold me to this. But I believe in my heart that those of us who align appropriately with the will of the Father, that are practicing righteousness. First John 3, 7, he who practices righteousness is righteous just as Jesus is righteous. When that is who we are, when we are growing closer and closer in our walk through sanctification to our Lord, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, spending time in the Word of God, always thinking about our Father. I have a little thing, little thing, the little stone, the polished stone says gratitude on it, and I, I keep it before me all the time and during the day, even between meetings, I'll pick up the gratitude stone and I'll just hold it and close my eyes and say, Father, thank you. Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for making this day go by well. Thank you for everything being okay. Thank you, Father God, for allowing me to keep my job. Father, thank you for helping me to get through the next series of interviews with the clients. Thank you for helping me to, to do a good job, that they'll be happy and that and that you'll be able to provide for me and I'll be able to touch other people's lives and continue to do the ministry and continue to do the work on the radio and continue to serve you. I mean, you know, I... I in a way, I'm, I'm, I take every bit of a risk doing this program, as uh, Sister Amber did, in, in, in a sense. Maybe not as uh, you know d- directly, um, but certainly by virtue of what we have seen happen to people, uh, what we have seen happen to the what, what we refer to sadly as the J Sixers, um, uh, many of which are in prison still and have had their lives entirely destroyed. Many of the uh, FBI whistleblowers, probably many of which are Christians that have had their lives completely and utterly destroyed. Um, uh, When we look at and reflect upon all of the awful, awful things that have happened through the persecution that has come down from the Antichrist and the entity that refers to itself as Biden, the satanic entities that are part of this uh, treasonous uh, governmental system, um, the things that people have been punished for, um, uh, you know, and, and retribution uh, and false, false uh, legal um, 
things have been levied against them. You know, there's a lot of people that have been persecuted through through the so-called Justice Department of the United States just for speaking the truth. They've had their lives destroyed. Um, no one that I am aware of is still on YouTube, Facebook, or any of those major social media sites speaking about what we talk about on this program. No one. No one. They've all been removed. And if they are controversial and still there, it's because they tap dance. And they don't really, you know, and, and they'll admit it, too. I mean, I'm not going to call out any of the programs. Well, I will. Uh, one of them, in fact, is Redacted. Redacted is very careful about every little thing they say. So they essentially water down their, their stories a little bit so that they're able to maintain their YouTube presence. And they've gotten busted a couple of times by YouTube. But then they'll come right out and they'll say, I wish we were on Rumble right now so we could talk freely about whatever this subject is matter is. All right. So so when you consider the the terrible things that have happened to the J6ers, the terrible things that have happened to the people that spoke out against the vaccines, the terrible things that have happened to the people that, um, you know, um, whistle blew or told the truth about, you know, the things with the FBI, the Twitter files, all that kind of stuff. It's a miracle, really, when you think about it, that this program I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm hanging out there like a grapefruit on a tree, just waiting for a baseball bat to come upside my head. Praise the Lord. But the Lord did tell me I had a very supernatural experience before we go into communion. I had a very supernatural, a supernatural experience. Praise God. And it's one that I will never forget. Although I am sometimes guilty of slipping into the flesh, and I do, I, I'll never forget the event. But there are times when I'm going through things where I regretfully fail to trust God adequately. Let's leave it that way. I get into a state of worry. I get into a state of anxiety. I think something really bad is going to happen. And I keep, I, I will, because of the flesh, I will occasionally forget what the Lord said to me when I was absolutely positive that my life was going to be destroyed by persecution that was coming from Christians. I have been persecuted by Christians more than any other group in the world. I have been persecuted by Christians more than any other group in the world many times. Now, whether or not they were demons looking like Christians, that's up to God to decide, okay, because we don't know what's standing behind our pulpits. We don't know which ones of them are reptilians. Look at Mike Pence. I have testimony from a person who was on the scene when Mike Pence was performing satanic sacrifice ritual ceremonies against small children. And we were warned that by Robert Vandrius Mitchell, praise the Lord. And I remember how taken back I was when Robert Vandrius Mitchell said that he had seen Pence at Satanic Ceremonies shapeshift into a reptilian. I was surprised. I actually bought the notion that this guy was some sort of a Christian. But, it was, but he's not. He's not even, he's horrible. He's an, he's an entity. So the tears are all around us. The situation is far uglier and more abominable than most of us can even conceive. And how awful it is that we 
are subject to under you know to knowing about these things but at the same time what a blessing it is because we recognize that we are very very close if our understanding and world war 3 we shouldn't be here for world war 3 the lady who is it, so I've done so many shows on this, so many testimonies, the David Doherty vision, the uh, the testimony of the little boy, uh, the little 10-year-old boy, I forget his name, uh, that, uh, you know, saw the, what he referred to as alien, demon, UFO creatures coming down from the skies or whatever during World War III. And he said to his mom, you know, mom, you're not going to be here for that. Well, she's not going to be here for that. Why would we be here for that? Right? Right. So praise God, I'm, I'm personally embracing the hope that by virtue of being part of the, the early, I don't know what you want to call it, early risers, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the people who are part of the first group in Matthew 22, where God sent his servants out to tell everybody to come to the, the you know, to the feast, that the fatted cattle and everything was ready come to the supper you know and and then god sent out other servants well the first group of servants where were they they're already taken off the earth there's so much and i've covered it on so many shows uh so so many shows that indicate there's a pretty good level of of likelihood i don't know how to score it I can't, you know, I can't say on a scale of one to ten, but when I listen to the testimonies, when I play, when I read the testimonies of the people that saw, experienced the barley harvest, first fruits rapture, and the state of the world around them when it occurred, it was nowhere near as black and evil as the global reset, the 2020, the bug eating, the 15-minute cities, the horror that they're going to uh, pour out upon the the poor people the i mean how could you feel anything but the greatest of um, empathy and sadness for anybody who for whatever reason lack of faith um there's so many reasons i mean if you don't believe in the rapture you're it's not like you're just going to be automatically raptured, <laughs> okay? I mean, a lot of people believe that's just how it is going to be, but it's, it's you know, the testimonies of those who have been there, done that, uh, indicate absolutely the otherwise, and the opposite. So anyway, um, I believe with all of my heart that there is a good chance, I don't know, and I'm not prophesying. This is definitely not a yea, say it the Lord thing. I am just sharing with you that I am seeing in my heart, I'm feeling impressed in my heart that maybe we might all be out of here sometime prior to the end of 2025 because that allows for enough time for all the things that have to happen prophetically and biblically and event-wise speaking to happen for the petrodollar to collapse, for the banking system to implode upon itself, for World War III to be on the very edge of going full scale, 
all the prerequisites and look at all the alien, demo, uh, alien and demonic and fallen angelic um, events that are occurring and the increase of disclosure. The sounds are back gangbusters worse than they were in 2012. I mean, it is just astonishing. So and then I look at look, I sit in my my bedroom and I pray and I'm praising God and I can't help but look across the room only a few feet from the chair I'm on. And there I see Tom Horn's book, Zeitgeist 2025, which I've got a complete reading. I've only read a few chapters. It's awesome. And I wonder to myself, is that all just a coincidence? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But I have an awful lot of hope that there's a good chance that the first fruits just might escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand at the wedding supper before our Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you will please cleanse, totally purify our hearts, our minds, our spirit, our flesh, our souls, our record-keeping books in heaven and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. We come before you to honor you in holy communion. For on the day in which you were betrayed, Lord Jesus, you took bread. And you broke it and gave thanks and said, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Vadodi, Vadodi di. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing.
trusting 